This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Yeah, it's always good to uh, to be at church, and and yeah, what a what a privilege just to to be on stage. It's always uh, always such an honor just to uh, just to share with share with you guys and. Um, just speak what's what's on my heart um, and what's on God's heart for for us this morning. So um, this this past week, um, was it this, I think this past week or in the last two weeks, we had our um, our last um, office meeting, our, our shofar staff office meeting. And um, Andre loves to like give us these things on the spot where we have to think of like two things you're grateful for or. You know these kind of things, and he knows how much I hate it. Um, but uh, anyway, so this uh, this this at our last meeting, we we did the um, we did a couple highlights of your year. Uh, so I had to sit and, and think a bit, and um, some of the ladies shared, and uh, yeah, just actually, you know, as much as I, I don't enjoy it, just sort of thinking on the spot, it's it's always so great to to do these kind of things, you know, just to, to sit and just to sort of retrospectively think about um, some things and. I'm going to share with you uh, a two two of my highlights, um, and the first one was was quite simply that um, this year my wife and I um, sat in the service together for a whole service. <laughs> Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. We've got two small kids, um, so either one of us is in the back with kids all over us, or you know we just. It's a rare opportunity that we that we we get to sit, and I mean it's a season, and it's a beautiful season. Um, but uh, yeah, just if there's anybody in the in the back rooms there, I just want to let you know there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, it's wonderful. There goes Jimmy already, both kids in hands, and off he goes into the dungeon. Enjoy it, Jim. Stack the brew. <laughs> um, and the the other highlight. Um, that uh, that I shared with um, with the staff was that the highlight was was cancer, um, which is an, a really odd you know an odd thing to be a highlight. Um, but for I think many of you will know, but um, my wife was diagnosed with with breast cancer um, in February this year, and uh, yeah, it's been it's obviously been um, quite a journey. Um, just to, by, by means of update as well, I think uh, the last time I, I sort of spoke about it from stage was in, was in April, shortly after she was diagnosed. Uh, she was starting with a chemotherapy. Uh, she's gone through all of that, um, has gone through 21 weeks or so, what was it, 21 weeks of, uh, um, 12 weeks, sorry, of, of um, radiotherapy every day. Um, so it, it's been, it's been quite a, you know, it's been quite a journey, quite a challenge for her, um, something that we, we've had to go through together as a family, but I tell you that I wouldn't change a thing. I honestly wouldn't want the cancer not to have come. And it, it hurts me um, and it pains me that she's the one who had to go through with it. Um, but what a blessing it is to be shaken, you know, out of our, we just pop, we pop ourselves into neutral so often on this journey, you know, and we just cruise. We cruise along and, um, and everything's fine and, you know, we just carry on with our lives without, without really realizing what's important to us, without having this moment where we can just shift our priorities to, to what's really, really, you know, really important on this earth. And, um, yeah, the, 
the cancer was that thing for us. You know, it just it derails your life. Uh, you you can't go on the same. You you just can't keep living the way you were living. Um, something has to change, and a lot of things for us changed in the natural. Um, we uh, especially for me, just just in my heart, like we we started to um, prioritize family more, and um, I just longed to spend time with my kids and my wife and. You know, we go and we play outside a lot, and um, we've made a big shift in the way we eat. We, we're eating a lot healthier, um, trying to really uh, kill cancer and prevent um, prevent those kind of things by by eating eating right. And we're growing our own things, and it's really like it's a fantastic journey. It's a wonderful journey to be on, and I could probably preach a message on uh, eating right and, and stuff like that because we've learned a lot. But yeah, I won't. Um, but uh, and of course, you know, you realize, of course, that. Time is so finite. Our, our lives are so finite. We we have a beginning and we have an end, um, and we're all going to die at some point. But just to be just to be faced with this, um, you know, just be faced with mortality. The person you love so deeply um, can be taken from you at any minute. Is uh, it shakes you? You know, something has to come from that. Um, but. This is not at all what my what my message is about this morning, but um, I want to actually just encourage you, even as as, as couples, as families, uh, sit down sometime between now and the end of the year and just look back at a couple of highlights. Just you, you can prepare yourself at least. I'm not giving it to you on the spot, you know. Just look back and, and and think about the highlights. You'll be amazed what you can find when you you know we don't always think about the good stuff, um, but let's let's focus on those highlights and 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 do that. Um, speak about it with with your families. It's a beautiful thing to do. Okay, so what I am going to speak about this morning um, is Jesus. And I think that, uh, that's probably a pretty a Holy Spirit-inspired message. So I, and I know it's uh, going to be good if you speak about Jesus um, in church. So let's pray quickly before I get going. Father God, we, um, yeah, Lord, we're, we're just in awe of, um, of who you are, Father, of, of your beauty, uh, of your nature, Lord, and your character. And Father, as we, um, you know, as we just get into your word, as we, as we, as we delve into it and we, and we scratch on it and see what, what comes out, Father God, I pray that, um, that you will, you will illuminate, um, things to, to each and every one of us, Father. I thank you that, um, that, that the message I've prepared is not necessarily the message that, um, that everybody will hear this morning, Lord. Um, the way that I present it, the, what I, what I say, Lord, may not be heard, uh, the way I say it, Father, and that's a beautiful thing. Because Lord, you, um, your Holy Spirit, you can come right now, and you can in, in, just infuse um, infuse yourself in, in my words, Lord, and and really let them let them hit the ears of your people in the way that that sounds pleasing to them, Father God, in, in the way that um, that brings about some sort of change in their hearts and in their lives. So, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you, Lord. I say, have your way in this place. You are most welcome here. Amen. So, my little highlight thing wasn't for nothing. Throughout this whole ordeal, this whole whole year, going through um, going through this thing of, of you know the breast cancer with with my wife, um, what I what I realized so so vividly and so tangibly is that there was a is that I had a, a deep need for for a God. You know, I needed I needed something from somebody. And it couldn't be just any God, you know. We are we are so so complex um, as human beings in our emotions, 
from season to season, from, from moment to moment, day to day. And we need so much um, from a God. So not, not just any God would do. There's no one-size-fits-all approach to, to us. You know? no, nothing can satisfy every single part of us. Let me illustrate it um, like this. If, if we were at home doing a, a refurbishment or an extension, let's say we're building an, an ensuite bathroom, and um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to employ and go to various people to get that job done. So I might, um, I might start with Brett, and I'll ask him to, to come and build for me, do all the brickwork work, do all the wet work there. I'll go to Rion, of course, at Ontap and get all my sandware at a good discount there. You know, the whole bath and, and basin and mixer and the works. Um, and then I might ask Martin, I don't see me, Martin Kashula, to come and do the plumbing. I'll get Ashley to come and do the electrical for me. You know, I'll get various people to do all sorts of tasks in, in that process. And imagine, imagine for a minute that, um, uh, Brett requests that, uh, that he wants payment up front. Uh, so I give it all to him. And Monday rocks up and he's supposed to be there with the guys and he's not there. And Tuesday and Wednesday and he just never comes. So I go to, to Peter. I don't think he's here. Peter van Sale. Uh, he's a lawyer. And I say, man, I've got to, you know, I need your help here. I've got to, I've got to sort this out. You know, I wouldn't go to, I wouldn't go to Peter for, for my bath. And I, and I probably wouldn't go to Rion for my legal advice, you know. He'd probably give me some good advice, but he, he's not an authority on the law. So we, we go to different people. You know, we need different things from different people. And there's no, there's no one size fits all approach or, or, or person who we can get these things from. That's perhaps quite abstract, abstract, but, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a little bit further. So let's say that, uh, things don't go right, uh, with, with Peter and trying to, trying to do the, the law angle. Um, but I'm still just not happy and I, you know, I need to, I need to send a message to Brett. So I call someone else up. Um, I call Martin. Martin looks like a guy I could send a message, eh? And I phone him and I say, Hey, Martin, I need you to send a message, you know? Brett, he needs to be sleeping with the fishes by the end of the day. Capisce? And Martin says, yeah, no problem, they've got it, boss. Martin is Russian. And imagine in all of this, this is a very long story, imagine in all of this, um, I have a weekly visit with my grandmother um, in which I take her Chinese takeaways and a pack of cigarettes. I don't have a grandmother and I don't do that, but sounds like a pretty rocking old lady. Now, if I forgot about that meeting and all of this dealing with, with Brett and Martin and just trying to get things going, I wouldn't send him to my grandmother. Okay? I don't want her nails pulled off of her fingers. That, that situation would require tenderness, gentleness, patience, you know? Sit and smell the flowers and listen to stories five times over. You know, I would send somebody, somebody Sweet and loving. I would send my wife. You know, I would send my wife to a situation like that. I'd send somebody like Sandra. Eh, tender-hearted people. I wouldn't send somebody like that. And in this whole situation, this is for me where, where the concept of the, of the lion 
and the Lamb, Jesus as the Lion and the Lamb, really came to light for me. Because there were times in this journey when I needed a God who could fight for me. I needed a God who was strong. I needed to know that when I prayed, things were going to happen. I needed to have the faith that when I prayed for healing, the Lion of Judah, who has won, was going to fight on my behalf. But at the same time, it was an emotional time. I needed to be loved. I needed the tenderness of the lamb in my life. I needed somebody to console me, somebody to confide in. I needed the lion and the lamb. And we we, we find that concept in um, in, in Revelations, uh, the concept of the lion and the lamb. But I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna get to that in a second. But another thing that struck me throughout this whole process is I was burdened with this question and, and perplexed even by how do people do this without God? How do people go through life in general without knowing Jesus? It just came up for me so often. And, and, it, and it does all the time in, 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 seas, in low seasons, you know, in, in, in times where, where, where life is a bit challenging. How do you do it? How do you do this without being able to cry out to God and to ask Him for help? And to ask Him for comfort, to be comforted by Him? I don't know. I don't know how people do it without Jesus. But more than that, I don't know how they do it without His fullness. The fullness of Jesus. You know, there is fullness in the lion and the lamb. He covers all the bases in in His nature. And I didn't, I didn't always know the fullness of Christ. Um, I believe it's, a, I believe it's a difficult thing to define, and I, and I think there, uh, there are perhaps boundaries, but we are constantly coloring in within those outlines what what the fullness of Christ really means. And I think as as believers, we need to constantly be, um, be digging into that, you know, to be finding out what is what more of Christ. The more the more we know, the more of His nature we know, the better we can can actually. Minister to other people. But I want to give you um, sort of my, my background story very briefly. I grew up in a Catholic home. A few, few of you would have heard a lot of this. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, a good, it was a good home. I was raised morally correct. Um, I, was, I was a good, good kid. Um, I eventually uh, found my way to a group called Christian Surfers. Um, I was a surfer dude at the time, and um, we all connected, and it, it, it was really great. And, and for the very first time, I met Jesus at, at, at this place. Um, and, and I gave my life to the Lord, something I didn't, didn't really know about, was never taught about as, as a child in, in the church, in the Catholic church. Um, but more than that, I, I sort of faded away, and uh, school happened, and... Um, you know, I got older and I started to party and just lost my way um, completely. And it wasn't until I, I, went, I met my wife um, that, uh, yeah, that I, that I came back to Christ. But even then, we were involved in a Baptist church, and um, it was cool and everything. It was it was very different for me. You know, it was happy happy and clappiness going on, um, which is very different from the the Catholic model. Um, so. Uh, that already was a step, but things changed, and, and we decided to to find another church. And we were we were going to church hop all over the city, but uh, we heard about 
the place that was in the um, coffee shop, and I mean that was just too cool for me. So um, we came, and it, it, it was as cool as I thought. And uh, yeah, that is it. We 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 stopped hopping immediately. But in here in Shofar, I was taught about the Holy Spirit. You know, an aspect of of, of Jesus's character um, that we not don't necessarily teach a lot of our children. And it's natural, you know, we teach, a lot of us grow up with, with Jesus as, uh, this picture of Jesus as the lamb. You know, he's safe and, he, and he's loving and he's caring. And I mean, that's good. That's a, it's really, it's good stuff and he is all those things. But we often don't teach about the other side of him. You know, the, the guy who fashioned a whip and was flipping tables, you know, the, the hardcore Jesus. And, and I understand we shouldn't really be doing that, you know, for three, four, five year olds. You know, I don't want them flipping over my tables in my house. Um, you know, we teach them good things. They, they must be loving. They must be kind. They must be submissive. Those, those, those kind of things. But at a point, we need to start teaching a full gospel. We need to know from young to old about the fullness of Christ. You know, Jesus, we, we teach about the cross, but we, you know, we teach about Jesus going to the cross and, and dying for our sins. And it's all very like lamby, you know? At the same time, his body was broken so that we can be healed. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. That's liony, you know? That's not lamby. And we don't always teach a full gospel. And I'm so encouraged when I, um, when I hear stories from Claire and, and some of the other people who, who are involved with, with kids' church about things that are happening. Children are seeing pictures. And then they're praying over one another. And they're experiencing healing. There is a full gospel being taught in this church, and that excites me. From young. Of course, we get it here. I mean, Andre just, you know, he shoves it down our throat week in and week out, and it's fantastic. Um, you know, it really, really forces us. And, and this whole thing challenged me so much, you know, coming from a, a background where I, I didn't know didn't know any of this Holy Spirit stuff, and, and now there's praying in tongues and healing people and all sorts of things. It, it, it was just so foreign to me, but so beautiful at the same time. And it, it brings me to, to our vision as a church, as a, as a local church, Shofar East London. Our vision as a church is to together live out the fullness of Christ. Okay. Together live out the fullness of Christ. That is as such, we are to act out the gospel of Jesus in all its fullness. So we are to heal the sick, cast out demons, deliver people, set them free. But at the same time, we must do that through love. We must do that with a caring, gentle attitude. But I believe that we can't live out, we can't act out the fullness of Christ if we're not living out of the fullness of Christ. We can't live out if we're not living out of it. But to live out of it, we need to understand the fullness of Christ. We can't live out of something we don't even understand. So we need to, we need to together start looking at what the fullness of Jesus is. And like I say, there's a, you know, there's a boundary to it, and I think we'll constantly be coloring in between those lines and, and filling in what the fullness of Jesus is. Um, but we need to commit ourselves to be doing that. You know, it's, it's like, um, 
it's it's like for example a, a biokineticist or a physiotherapist or or a chiropractor they can't they can't take to a body and and, and manipulate it or, or or do what they need to do unless they are practicing it unless they have the knowledge of of what they need to do so they can't live it out they can't act out the act of physical therapy if they're not living out of it if they don't know okay I need to push here to make that person writhe in absolute pain um, you know they need to know and they need to have the knowledge of and be practicing that act which is in our case here the fullness of Christ so we have need to have knowledge of, of Jesus and his fullness and be living out of that place so I want to I want to approach this this concept of of both lion and lamb from from two angles, and the one is is this that we need to understand his fullness so that we can so that we can live out of it. That's for ourselves. Um, we need to be in constant study and and knowing the fullness of Jesus. And and the second thing is, I want us to know what living it out actually looks like, because that's the next step. That's where we need to go. If if you're with us. Um, in the church, I think it's a, I think it's a great vision statement, even if you're not in the church, to live out the fullness of, of Jesus. We went through quite a process to kind of get this statement, um, where it is. And there was a, there was a piece that was tacked on the end that we eventually just cut for simplicity's sake, but it was living out the fullness of Christ to a lost and dying world. Okay? That's what the aim is. We need to be living out the fullness of Christ out there. Okay, so let's get to our scripture. Uh, so we can we can move forward from here. It's Revelations five, verses one to eight. It's a it's a beautiful scripture, and um, yeah, I actually I knew that Dion was on worship this morning, and I, I sent him a message yesterday. And I just said, "What's on your hey, Dion? What's on your heart for the service?" Um, and uh, he ended up sending me the songs for that that he was going to play. And I just said to him, "Sure, that last one is a is definitely a, an inspired choice." Um, just singing about us standing in the throne room. And, and I mean, this is it. It comes from, from the scripture. So we both got quite excited. Let's read. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept, because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So, of course, Revelation is um, is, is the vision uh, that John sees, that God shows him of. It's kind of a, a pulling back of the curtain to see what's happening in heaven. Um and so there's a, there's a scroll that's been, been held and, and finally we see that there is one who is worthy and it is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah, of course, was the tribe of kings. The lion is the king, so this essentially points to the king of kings. The king of all kings is the one who is worthy. So I imagine John is, you know, he's, he's kind of just been crying. He wept and he wept. So he could have been on his knees. Um, you know, just just sobbing, and one of the elders, you know, calls out to him and says, "Look, the Lion of Judah, he is the one who is worthy." And I imagine John looks, and what does he expect to see? He 
expects to see the lion. And what does he see? Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And this, uh, yeah, this scripture just kind of cues the, the hallelujah chorus, as, as we call it, which is really what we sung, where, um, you know, everybody just gets together and, and the millions and millions of angels come together and start to, to just praise and glorify the lamb who was slain. But basically, it's in the scripture that Jesus gets presented to us as, as both the lion and the lamb. And I, you know, the animal kingdom doesn't really have opposites. You don't get like the opposite of a giraffe. Is it, yeah, it doesn't work, you know, but this, if ever there was an opposite in the animal kingdom, it's lion and lamb. And like I say, this is, this is a, this is not about, this is not the fullness. I don't believe this is the fullness of Christ, that he, that he is both lion and lamb, because there's a lot of coloring in to, to do that. But I think it's a good place for us to start um, to, to analyze or, or just to get into what his fullness is. So I want to throw up some, um, some lion-like traits and some lamb-like traits on, on the screen for, for us to look at. And while we go through this list, I want you to, to actually see with which you identify more. Okay, so the lion is brave, he's strong, he's fearless, he's regal, he's royal, he's fierce, he's majestic, victorious, and proud. The lamb, on the other hand, is innocent and meek, kind, humble, gentle, loving, sacrificial, and pure. So think about yourself in in those kind of traits. With which do you identify more? Do you see yourself as being more lion-like, um, more lamb-like? You know, when a situation arises, do you are you fierce? Do you do you take it by force? Do you confront it head-on, or do you rather kind of just take the take the gentle approach? There's place for for both. There's there's no right or wrong up here. Um, but I think what what will happen with a lot of us is. Maybe it's actually easier to look at the list and say, what am I not? What am I definitely not? Maybe I'm not fierce, you know. Maybe I'm not humble. I'm really proud and maybe I'm not meek, not sacrificial. I'm not really brave. But I see it, um, I, I see this principle at play even in, um, in my household with, with my daughters. We've got, um, two, they're two and a half. One, the youngest is two and a half. Um, and the other is turning five now in Feb. Uh, but, but our eldest, Ava, she, you know, she's the lamb through and through. Uh, she's gentle, she's, uh, she's quiet, she's, uh, she has her moments, of course, where she's, she's wild and she's lively, she's a, she's a child, but, um, on the other hand, um, our second child, and I think it's probably a second child thing, um, but she's just wild, you know, she's fearless, she'll just jump, she comes in the bed and she just jumps, like no hands. Hits you on your head or wherever, falls off the bed. Uh, she's just, she's brave and, um, but at the same time she has, she has these tender moments where she'll, she'll just come and, and, and lie on your chest where, where Ava actually wouldn't, wouldn't do that. 
Um, so I see aspects of, of lion and lamb in both of them, and I think uh, we can probably, we're probably doing the same up there. Uh, we may not fit sort of a, a, a particular model. And the chances are that those things up there that uh, that we don't identify are possibly the, the elements of Jesus that challenge us the most in the Bible. You know, when he did certain things that just like aren't us, those are the things that often challenge us. So in our pursuit to understand his fullness and in turn to live out of it, the challenge is for us to identify ourselves in the, in those things and try and balance ourselves out, try and ourselves live a full life. As many of us will default to a particular, say, a lion-like tendency in a situation, while others will default to, to a lamb-like tendency. So what I want to do uh, briefly is just go through some lessons we can learn um, from Jesus as the lion um, and from Jesus as the lamb. Okay, that scripture should test your, test your creative thinking a little bit of that uh, slide. So lessons from the line. Be brave. Mark, um, Mark 10, verses 32 to 34. They were now on their way to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were filled with awe, and the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. Taking the twelve disciples aside, Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen. Listen, he said, we are going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and teachers of the religious law. They will sentence him to die and hand over, and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit him, spit on him, flog him with a whip and kill him, but after three days he will rise again. But jeez, what a picture. Imagine somebody told you that you're going to be walking along the road, uh, you'll pass a certain sign, and there'll be some pink flowers on your right, and at the end of the road, you're going to be mauled by a pack of wolves, uh, and they'll leave you for dead. But you'll, you'll make it. You'll be fine. Like you'll, you'll make it through. You'll, you'll be all right. What are you going to do when you start walking down the road, and you see that sign, and you see those pink flowers? I'm going to run. Okay? I'm going to hightail it 180 degrees, and I'm getting out of there, because I know at the end of that road is a pack of wolves who are going to devour me. But God shows, Jesus shows his bravery in the situation. He knows, he knows exactly what, what he's in for. He's gonna be, yes, he's gonna, he's gonna rise again, but I mean, I would be like, can't we just, you know, skip there? I'm, I'm alive. <laughs> it's just, put me at the end of the road and I'll still be as alive. Um, you know, but Jesus knew and he was submitted and he showed bravery in that situation. Something that we can learn from. So much. You know, often the hard choices are the ones that result in, in, in bravery or that need bravery and they result in a, in a glorious ending. If we just skip past that, we, we're missing out. Second lesson, be regal. Be royal. Know who you are in him. Matthew, um, Matthew 26, 50 to 53, Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? In the midst of this conflict, like tense situation, some guy pulls out a sword. Again, I'm running, you know. 
Jesus says, do what you want. Put your sword away. Don't you realize that I can just call down a legion of, of angels to come and smite you? Jesus knows who, who he is, and he's safe and comfortable in, in conflict and tense situations. Be regal. Be royal. Know who you are in Jesus. Be fearless. John, 10, John 19, 10 verse 11. Pilate is talking to, uh, to Jesus. He says, why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it was given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greatest sin. Jesus was threatened. Threatened with life or death. I can lock you up or I can release you. Jesus says, no, you don't. You don't have that kind of authority over me. He was fearless in that situation again because he knew his bloodline. He knew who he was. Fourth, be proud. Be proud of him. Be proud in him. Be proud of the message of Jesus. Jesus answered, this is John 8, 58 to 59. Jesus answered, I'll tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. He was proud of the truth. And this challenges me a lot, you know, to, to be proud of the truth all the time. When people are saying things to the contrary, you know, to actually stand up at the bra and say, no, you know, I, this is actually what I believe. You know, he spoke out the truth with no fear and he was proud of it. Finally, be fierce. Mark eleven fifteen to 17 for anybody who's taking notes. All the scriptures are on the Bible app, by the way, if you, if you do want them. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people, buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. This is that, that Jesus who I spoke about earlier. The guy who made a whip and came and he chased out thousands of people out of the temple. It's like popping a lion here in the middle of the room. We're going to scatter quicker than you will ever see. Because the lion is in the house. Sometimes life calls for us to be fierce. And these are the lessons we can learn from the lion. Let's, uh, let's go now to, to lessons from the lamb. Number one, be kind or be merciful. Then they reach Mark 10, 46 to 52. Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on. He's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coats, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Jesus was kind and merciful. We get that opportunity almost every day. Uh, people calling out to us, um, knocking on our windows, just trying to look after the car for a, for a couple of rand. Um, 
we have the opportunity to be kind and merciful to those who we, who we meet in this world, to show them Jesus. Be humble. John 13, verses 5. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he had around him. Such a beautiful moment of, of service where Jesus humbles himself. The Almighty God comes and humbles himself and and washes. We're not talking about he didn't come and serve them food. He came and washed their feet. Incredibly uh, hum- humiliating act as such. A humbling act. And he came and did it. So many opportunities for us in life to, to serve humbly. Be sacrificial. John 1 John 3 Verse 16, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Again, a challenging one. Jesus gave his life for us. How much time do we sacrifice for those around us? When somebody calls to to ask us to do something or or stand in for for some position, how how ready are we, how quick are we to sacrifice our time and and, and what we're doing for, for our brothers and sisters? Finally, be loving. John 4 verses 1 to 42 de- details, I'm not going to read all of that, that's a ton, details the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. You know, Jesus could have, he could have been, he could have been lion-like in this, in this situation, you know, he could have, when he found, he knew, I mean, he knew about, um, he knew about her past, he knew about her five husbands that she'd had, you know, she could have, he could have rebuked her, but he, he knew all along that, um, he was going to love her. He wanted to love her. He wanted to love her into the kingdom. At the end, and at the end of the scripture, we see that that many Samaritans came to came to Jesus that that day. They came to salvation because he loved, because he was lamb-like. And of course, you know Jesus loves so much through throughout the scripture. So this is just a, a one example. But you know we could we could stand here and and I could could pull out scriptures from the gospel all over the place. And I've tried to stick to the gospels, just just really showing how Jesus lived. Um, lived in, in these things and, and lived these characters and aspects of the lion and the lamb. There's so much that we can learn from this. Um, we need to, we need to, we need to find a balance in our lives. We need to know, we need to be Holy Spirit empowered to know when to, to speak like a lion, when to act like a lion, and when to act like a lamb. And that shifts us over to, to, to just the second part of, of, of the focus, and that is the living out. The living out of the fullness. Once we begin to understand the fullness and start living out of it, then we can truly begin to live it out to people in this world. So I'd like to just go back to that, that scripture in, in, in Revelation where we see Jesus presented as, as the lion and the lamb. And I think for, for a lot of us, um, the concept, I haven't thought about it too much, to be honest. Uh, you know, it's just, okay, Jesus is the lion and, and, and Jesus is the lamb. But that's not the case. Jesus is not the lion. We're not talking about Jesus the lion and Jesus the lamb as if they are two separate entities. We're not talking about Jesus the lion or the lamb. And he's not the lion and then the lamb. The, you know, the, the title of my, my scripture, uh, my, my message this morning is, is, is specifically not the lion and the lamb. It's lion cross lamb. Jesus at, at, at all times was a lion cross a lamb. 
He was, he was the lamb-like lion and the lion-like lamb. And I believe that um, whichever side of his character he demonstrated, the opposing character, it was opposingly motivated. Okay, so whichever side of his character he demonstrated was opposingly motivated. So when he came in to the temple, demonstrating lion-like behavior, flipping over tables and being fierce and strong, his motivation was, was, was lamb-like. It was a respect for his father's house and a love for his father's house that it would be a house of prayer. And at the same time, when he, when he came into that situation with the Samaritan woman and he acted in a lamb-like manner, he was loving and forgiving and gentle with her. His motivation was lion-like. He wanted to attack sin. He wanted to plunder the, the gates of hell to populate heaven. Jesus the whole time acts like this. In a lion-like, if he acts in a lion-like manner, it, there's, a, there's a lamb-like motivation happening in the background. But there's something, you know, something that can define that is a central thread, and that is love. The whole time in this, in this balance of, of lion-like action with lamb-like motivation, there is love. And the same around, in, in, in his lamb-like action, there's this central thread of, of, of love that goes through and through. And I think that's the easiest test for us. And that the easiest test and the biggest challenge. In every situation that we're in, we need to, we need to ask the Holy Spirit what's what's best here. You know, does this situation require me to stand up for the truth? Does it require me to be brave in this situation? Or should I should I be lowly? Should I humble myself? Should I move solely out of love? And I think that's you know, that, that must be the test. Love. How can I best love in this situation? How can I best show the love of God in this situation? What should I do? I want to uh, just finish now with, um, with going back to, to the scripture um, in Revelation. You know, when John heard, there's, there's, a, there's a hint for us in there. Um, when jo- John heard, John was told about the lion from the elders. The elders said to him, the lion is the one who is worthy. But when he looked, what he saw was the lamb. I believe there's, a, there's, there's something hidden in there for us. What he heard was the lion. He received the message of the lion, but he saw the lamb. So in other words, that's something that we should be doing. We should be acting as a, acting as a lamb, what people see when we minister, when we speak to them, when we, when, we, when we preach the gospel, people should see the lamb. They should see something gentle, but hear about the lion. And finally, there's, there's something so beautiful in, in the scripture, and it's, it's possibly like, it's the motivation for, for me um, preaching this message and, and, and focusing on the scripture. And that is that we, we would expect that it's the ferocity and the fierceness of the lion that makes him worthy to open the scroll. But in fact, 
It's the fact that Jesus humbled himself and became the lamb. That's why he was worthy. So you get, we get told about the, the lion of the tribe of Judah who is worthy to open the scroll, but we look and we see the slain lamb, the lamb who was slain for us. And that's a beautiful picture, and I, and I really hope that, that we understand that and we see that Jesus is, is both. There's such a beauty in the duality of the nature of Jesus, and we need to emulate that if we want to live out the fullness of Christ. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.